podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt Myra. And I'm Andrew Secunda. We are coming to you live from New York. New York City! We're not in live. the house. We're pre-recorded, but we're recording in my tiny hotel room uh, at the Ludlow. It's a beautiful view. We're out staring the out the Lower East Side of Manhattan, which I gotta tell you, of all the sides of Manhattan... It's the least enjoyable to look at. It is expansive, though. You're looking at a, an expansive view. And a lot of buildings, I would say, that aren't over 10 stories. That's true. Yeah. A lot, yeah. Of, low, a lot of low-lying buildings. For... It's a good place to, uh, to build a hotel. Yep. To probably what my mother, an urban planner, would say uh, ruins the, uh, the skyline down here. <laughs> I didn't know your mother was an urban planner. That's a cool fucking job. Yeah. That's great. That's right. She's actually uh, head of the community board down in the village. Oh my and, uh, god! Is responsible for many of the many of the islands and uh, and uh, and pedestrian safety adjustments. That's great. She puts in the big crosswalks. Uh huh. Slows down the traffic to the aggravation of the uh, drivers. But you know what? New York's a walking city, so go fuck yourselves, drivers. Uh, my mother would be very happy to be on your side there. Oh, your mom and I would get along great. The Matt almost met my parents. We almost recorded in my childhood bedroom with my twin bed. But and then decided that Andy's parents might be loud. Uh, my parents, well, I don't, I don't think there's any question that my parents be loud. Constantly knocking. What are you doing in there? Oh, you guys are recording something, huh? Andy, you're not gay, are you? <laughs> oh, my father would just be more excited to just... Uh, oh, you got uh, a little ex- boyfriend up there? <laughs> my parents are, are liberal. <laughs> Greenwich Village. Sure. Oh, Andy, loud Jews. You're not, finally happy. Not, not your Boston roots, pal. It would be more my father would want to pop in and tell you stories about the old days being a press agent for Fox every 10 seconds. <laughs> I would love to hear that. <laughs> a lot of his stories are great. Oh, my God. I really feel like I should. we should stop this now and head over to your parents. <laughs> um, Surrounded by my special effects book. And my ad at my <laughs> what what a what a dream yeah no star I don't think yeah no Star Trek stuff on the shelves no Andy you're disappointing me I think it was all Star Wars but that's also why we're doing this podcast exactly um so a uh, lot of emails have come in we're so having many. a great time with this podcast so many people are actively listening now we're welcoming a bunch of new listeners recently yeah and. Uh, you know, sorry everybody. We're gonna get to the third season eventually. Um, the uh, the hails uh, the hails fight has been very it's very passionate. Back and forth, right? It's back and forth. A uh, lot of lot of lot of passionate uh, opinions on both sides, and I wanted to uh, just sort of throw out some from both. Uh, oh, let's hear it from the from the Twitter commentary. 
Here are the people that have been uh, been talking about having it at the end. Chris Sever- Severson says, please not at the beginning. At the start, it's the absolute worst. <laughs> okay. Woods Sheremy says, I really like them at the end, so I can just stop listening at that point. Sorry. I love you guys, but I don't care about listener comments. Solar Brian 1 says, I'm so disappointed in the other seven listeners voting for Hales at the beginning. Unhappy <laughs> the other seven. The other seven. I think it's because we, <laughs> we, uh, we referred to our eight listeners. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Sure. And Jonathan Ryan says, at the end for ease of ignoring, which honestly was part of my thought is like, well, let's put it at the end. Well, what if I what if I compromise here Uh-oh. Uh, and I tell everyone in the description yeah. what the time code is? Of the I was start thinking of the that. Are you going to remember doing that? Uh, well, be one I, more thing you gotta I have do? to. Well, it's not going to be that hard. I can just look down and see what our time. Code I think is. that's a reasonable compromise. And uh, I'll be right on in the comment section. I'll be right on within within a thirty second time span. So it shouldn't be too hard for people to jump into if they would if they'd like to. Um, uh, and then the beginning boosters commented. Uh, Cameron Grimsley says, "I like them at the beginning as an appetizer, sets the mood before the episode dissection." Tony Ellen says, uh, "I wonder if any relation to Doug Ellen." I think it's spelled differently. Um, It has no relation to anything. At the beginning, since uh, they relate to the former episode, also more blabbering madness. No problem, Tony. You'll get it. (laughs) Grand Milf Tarkin. Love that name. (laughs) Listener content is always at the beginning of a show. It's a tradition. Rosanna Flad says, Hails at the beginning, always end a debate. Thank you for your time. Melissa Gellert actually really like them at the beginning. Rambly off-topic tangents are part of the reason I tune in. I think I've just figured out how to not do, how to not pop my peas. Um, guys, every episode there's a little improvement. Um, it's, and, we're like the first season of Star Trek. But, you know, it's been said. Yeah. I don't know if I even have that in the commentaries. Uh, Son of Zul, these have to be at the beginning. Doesn't make sense to talk about current episode and then go back to the previous. That's true, and I think that we found the compromise with my quick thinking on my brain. And then the related commentary on the hails is CJ says almost as close as this week's vote in France. It's it true. Well? I love it. Travis for she says, will there be an independent investigation regarding Romulan interference with the polls? <laughs> and Tanakazi says all new jingles must be five seconds or less. Okay. <laughs> um, so keep that in mind. It don't have to be five seconds, but, you know, the briefer side, probably for long-term usage. Anyway, the results of this, uh, hails at the beginning ended up at 52%, hails at the end 24%, beginning but shorter 14%, end but shorter 10%. Uh, so you would say the majority don't care how long the, uh, the, the email uh, commentary is. So in the end, it's uh, the beginning, people say 66%, and at the end, 34%. It's uh, it's not close, guys. So we're gonna go beginning, and I'm gonna put the time code in the comment section. I mean, the in the description of the episode. So that'll I think please literally everybody. I'm with you, pal. Great. And thus and here thus, we go. We shall open. Captain, we are being hailed at the beginning, as it should be. It's very true. <laughs> um. So, uh. Brad Arrington uh, tweeted, um, guys, MVC vote can be split to two crew. Each gets a 0.5, total of one, uh, one per episode. Uh, he says it's a dead heat between uh, the captain and the sociopath. So it's, yeah. uh, that's yeah. where we are. 
Um, oh, by the way, if you guys want me to pronounce your name correctly, uh, at the start of every email, if you could just give me a phonetic spelling of your name, because uh, I won't remember. You've got face blindness and name blindness. Yeah. I Basically, I just see the world as, as a mirror of myself and everyone else. Is <laughs> Everyone's like, me. <laughs> Hi, me. How are you? <laughs> Little baby in the Oh, hey, baby me. And the most exciting thing we, we got in the emails this, this week, which I kept looking at and I was confused by. Was we got a thing from PayPal, uh, and it's a note from Viable Thought LLC, and it just says, keep the podcast going. Cheers, Chris. And someone sent $100 to our PayPal account, which I don't even know we had, but apparently you can send it to sttncpod at Gmail. And uh, and uh, this guy Chris, have you it. have you signed up for PayPal yet? I not and now. I have. You have now. So we're collect- not putting this out here, and someone's going to go snag that hundred dollars. Oh, that's that would be amazing. <laughs> no, yeah, I've already signed up for it. So it's our hundred dollars, guys. <laughs> oh man, Tough luck. what are we going to use it for next time? A bigger hotel room. <laughs> I'm gonna spend it on pizza. We're at the we're at this lovely hotel paid for by my wife's book publisher, Little Brown. Start up a novel available now. It's coming out, guys. It's out. We went. Oh, it's out. Yeah, that's right. I already ordered it. Uh, I was uh, I was alerted to it coming. I'm very excited to jump in. It's a quick read, guys. You'll love it. When is the uh, Audible coming out? When is already the, out? It's already out. Out today. Who reads it? Uh, a woman in Atlanta who does a lot of audiobooks. I don't. I'm not sure who, but I'm sure she's got a lovely voice. Why didn't you read it, man? Why well, I, I don't. I didn't. I was not. I never have. I'm not a professional voice person. I disagree. I podcast. Listen to that. Listen to that voice. It's like. <laughs> It's like just just bathing in a, uh, in a it's ba- it's in like a silky <laughs> something gross. Yep. Um. So anyway, this was super excited, and uh, the guy didn't even we didn't even ask for the money, and he guy just gave me. He's like a reverse Ferengi. This guy. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris, thank you so much for that unsolicited donation. Um. We were just. If you'd like to make an unsolicited donation to the podcast, <laughs> you can donate to uh, whatever our email address is. I will say in the last episode, we were discussing uh, Iverson's disease and assigning each donation we get to. <laughs> so uh, that, that $100 yeah, so, will go towards Iverson's disease. No, that that one will. But this, uh, this $100, if you would like to donate this week, we are raising money uh, for research on... Uh, non-carbon-based life forms. Uh-huh. Uh, we need to understand them, and yeah. also we're h- hoping to find a new planet to terraform. Uh, so it's going to take a lot of effort. Also, you get them a saline solution my to question. communicate with each other. Here's on? my question: okay. This episode, yeah. why didn't they just go into the file banks right. of Starfleet and fucking just drop a Genesis device down on that planet? I a hundred. <laughs> Seems like a lot of effort when they could have just launched I was a like, Genesis wait a minute, device. terraforming. They're talking about phase one and phase two. It's just like, it's straight out of Star Trek two, which is a century before. Well, it's also like, just like, the, it's, the, it works so fast. I mean, although it became unstable, so maybe that was the problem with it. Remember when the, oh, was that it, the, it, oh yeah, everything unstable. fell apart. So they had, but it took them a century. They already figured out a thing that like, yeah. D- recreated human life you know, at the I don't know what Dr. Carol Marcus was up to 80 years later but yeah probably just mourning the son of her death do you think she met the somebody death of else the son, not the son of her death it sort uh, of seemed like her and Kirk were getting back together and then he's uh, well then he ended up going to uh, to 80s San Francisco and got totally rebuked by that 
one of the most upsetting moments in Star Trek history. I loved I it. Say. I you thought it was like, great. Because she's like, no, you're old. Yeah, she's like, no, <laughs> I just traveled to the 23rd century. I got shit to do, and it's not you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the one thing I remember is when she, there's like the weird scene at the end where she hugs him, and it's yeah. kind of just like, yeah, but she's like, like the, hey, I'm also, not going anywhere. It's brilliant acting by Kirk. Because he looks like, what's going on? Why is this not not happening to me? I'm James Tiberius Kirk. (laughs) I steal the deal. (laughs) Um, Are you turning me down? Uh, You're peaking a little bit. I know, because I'm so excited. I'll take it down. It's okay. I'm just going to tweak it down a little bit. Anyway, Chris, uh, also on a separate note, he was not asking for this to be read. It's a separate thing. But he says, uh, love the show. All right. Oh, he wasn't asking. No, uh, he wasn't saying don't read it. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I uh, love the show. Uh, even preferred to the Nerdist. Don't tell Chris. Talk salad. Don't oh. tell Kevin. Oh, no. And welcome to Night Vale. Night Vale. Well, don't thanks. tell. Actually, Cecil could handle it. <laughs> I don't know, Cecil. <laughs> I have a small suggestion to the start of your show. Oh. Uh, and I thought, this guy gave us $100. His opinions <laughs> are now be, weighted are more. very valid. They're actually, he's given us more money than either Andy or I have. So I realize it's funny that I just started peaking when someone gave us $100. <laughs> um, swap the emails and should you watch the episode? Uh, it makes you think about the episode for this week, but then you spend uh, 20 minutes talking about something else that's a week old. So then you switch back. Seems to ruin the flow. That is maybe interesting. But I think he's going to be happy with our solution. What's the solution? Our solution of telling people when our episode talk starts. Well, I think he's saying flip... So it's just sort of like... At the very beginning, I say, is this episode worth watching? I have been prompting you at the top of the episode... Yes. ...to say it. And <laughs> I feel like we're getting too deep into this. Um, and I think he's saying, do the emails, you know and what then... You know what he wants, right? Yeah. So you drive. You drive that part. Let me know when I need right. to say it, and we're good. Essentially, what Matt says is correct, and whatever the time code is that he puts in... Yeah. Is it called time code in audio? Yeah. Uh, that is when he will say whether you should watch the episode or not. And we will be giving Chris's request. Um, okay. Um, Next email. Nicholas McGray or Magri. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Magri. Is I, I got to say that's M-A-G-R-E-Y. probably not right. What do you say? What would you say? Oh, maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, your amazing podcast is definitely a grower, not a shower. It yeah. just gets, keeps getting better and better. But lay off Dr. Crusher, Andy. This lady's a doctor flying through space and capturing Klingon polio or Andorian herpes and a ton of shit she uh, so wasn't trained in. It's a, the great unknown, and that goes for cases of Kardashian. Kardashian? Kardashian. I, somebody accused me of saying that intentionally for comedy in a previous No, he episode. would never do that. But I'm not, I haven't even watched DS9. I don't know. Uh, Cardassian clap too. Um, so, uh, what about a Ferengi Ferang- fungal infection? Yeah, that too. What about um, uh, what about uh, Romulan rheumatoid arthritis? Are these just off the top of your head? Yeah. What about uh, uh, Vulcan venereal diseases? Wow. What about uh, <laughs> impressive? <laughs> <that> weird <laughs> autistic ability you got. <laughs> Um, Daniel Hitch says. What about a species eight three? No, no <laughs> species. What is it? Space species seven three nine? Anal bleeding? Species guys, I'm gonna figure this out. Eight four seven two species eight four seven two anal bleeding. <laughs> um, if you're a Voyager fan, you'll enjoy that. 
I, I remember it. I know. Um, okay. Lynn Perdue um, says... Love my good and plenty. A question of industry terms, single verse multi-camera. Hey, y'all. Yeah. Um, since y'all tend to do a little... I didn't notice the second y'all. She's from the South. Uh, uh, tend to do a little inside Hollywood in your critiques of the episodes. That's not a complaint. I actually enjoy the granular breakdowns. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind giving a layman's explanation of what single camera versus multi-camera means. I understand the definition of terms, but I don't understand how the number of cameras affects a show's production. Sure. I would imagine more cameras mean more setups, which equals more time, but I don't understand the scope. How much longer do multi-camera shows take? Are multi-camera scripts harder or easier to write? Does the number of cameras affect the tone of the final product? Do certain cameras lend themselves to better to comedy, drama, suspense, horror, etc.? Have I completely misunderstood the concept? A little bit. But we're Um, here to help. And Uh, then just uh, before we close that out, she says SDTNG isn't the only sci-fi show that old people suddenly gain southern accents. (laughs) Uh, The same occurs when Colonel O'Neill and Stargate, with Colonel O'Neill and Stargate's brief candle, and Crichton, as I say it, and Farscape's The Locket. I I bet it's Crichton. Probably named after Michael Crichton. Yeah. you, so you take that one on. Multicam uh, was invented by Desi Arnaz during the production of I Love Lucy. And what it was was a setup of three cameras uh, shooting the action at the same time so that you could cut together a performance that is happening almost in real time. Uh, so what that means is a multi-camera show, which is shot before a studio audience usually, um, is done very much like a play where you're sitting in front of an audience you have the sets that are also in front of the stands where the audience sits and the actors perform the script as written so a multi-cam show takes about you know two hours to shoot uh and a single camera it's called single camera but it usually they're usually shooting with two cameras uh single camera is everything else so it's like your dramas your comedies that are like uh, without studio audiences so your 30 rocks your arrested developments the goldbergs are all shot single camera and what that means is we're doing multiple setups for the same scene where we're getting two cameras usually one is a medium and one is a close-up of a certain actor's performance or two actors performing at one time we then stop down, reposition the cameras to go for like a wide or a close-up on the next person and do the scene over again. And a, a single camera show actually takes about a week to shoot uh, with full days of shooting. It's, it's done much more like a movie. So that, I hope, helps your explanation or and helps that, you understand. And just to add on to that, the tone thus is... Uh, is a little bit more uh, movie-like, whereas the multicam is a little bit more play-like. Yeah, the end, flat. Feel-wise. Great example of this would be to go watch the pilot of Cheers and then go watch the pilot of Arrested Development. Right. There you go. Thank you for that question. Um, then uh, many people uh, tweeted at us or wrote us, uh, Daniel Hitch, one of them, um, in reference to the... Uh, the question we discussed uh, Star Trek theme parks and was one opening in the Middle East and um, 
the, it seems like there is a park in the Western uh, East called the called the uh, the Red Sea Astrarium, or in in the park itself called the Red Sea Astrarium in the city Jordan City Aqaba, mm-hmm. um, and it says in. Um, in uh, in Memory Alpha, that the park will open uh, for business in 2017, um, and it's been licensed and so forth. But it also, I think, has been in sort of being built since 2010. And in other in other areas on on the web that I looked up, uh, most recently in 2016, they broke ground. They did but break ground, and there haven't... are pictures of the area, but it doesn't seem to be progressing right. necessarily. Yeah. So me and Matt would be happy to go and research that for you if you could donate to Star oh, Trek. I was going to say oh, and, sorry. and make a trip over there and uh, be invited as honored guests. <laughs> honored, <laughs> honored guests. But uh, here's the thing. We can't even get invited to a Star Trek convention. <laughs> where, where, it, where is most interesting is uh, King Abdullah II bin al-Hussein, uh, who's the king of the Hashemite uh, Kingdom of Jordan. Yeah, he was on. He was on Star Trek Voyager in 1996, episode Investigations. He's in a, if I remember correctly, he's in a sciences division uniform. Uh, he is yeah. in a sort of a, what is that, like a turquoise? Yeah. Um, and uh, he was a huge uh, Which, fan. by the way, Data should be in that uniform. I was I'm just, just thinking that. I just... He? But I bet it was a color situation. Where it doesn't they were go like, with the white. The white it, yeah. it looks weird. It really would. Which is actually why they switched the uniforms in the uh, initially was because Picard, Patrick Stewart, didn't look great in gold. Uh-huh. So they made Command red. Right. You were saying that. And my other question is, in the later movies, does does Data moves up to Command, right? So is he in red then? No. Data in the later movies... Well, Data is supposed to become the first officer... After Riker leaves for the Titan, uh huh, but Data gets blown up, right? Um, so at that point, theoretically, he would have a command uh, color on his uniform, uh, the command undershirt. He would at that point. Interesting. Anyway, um, the prince uh, at the time of his cameo was thirty-four years old. I would have been thrilled just to visit the set, but this is too much. Um, he, uh, I would have, I would have loved to visit a set, a Star Trek set. I know, pal. Um, he speaks with Harry Kim in a scene, but he, he wasn't a member of SAG, uh, and so uh, it wasn't in the episode. He just sort of walks away. Um, but that, the, all this is the reason you're, that you're telling me that they couldn't fucking make him pay thirty five hundred dollars and get in SAG. I have a feeling. <laughs> Based on the the reasons I've been given, <laughs> um, I, I have a feeling that there that perhaps he was not, uh, you know, it, the scene didn't play, <laughs> and so they were like, "Oh, sorry, King, mm-hmm. sorry, Highness, it's it's a SAG issue." So who knows? But whatever the case, he's very involved in the making of this Star Trek theme. Uh, park which is amazing as a as a fan of of the show that he would and and a king that he could have influence over the park but i just still don't even know if it's moving forward so if anybody has any further information on that that's recent uh please let us know um and then uh this is from uh stephen heckert Mm -hmm. old business too short a season i feel slightly dirty revisiting such a steaming 
He says ties of an episode, but I assume he means pile. Uh, must have been a spell check issue. I noticed something about it that reflected what was then current affairs. Have you noticed a correlation between the visiting admiral and his wife was uh, and the key players to the Iran-Contra affair at the time? Hmm. The admiral's wife is clearly Nancy Reagan, while the admiral's clearly octogenarian Ronald Reagan, who slowly de-ages into a youthful Lieutenant Colonel Ollie North. Even the plot of supplying weapons oh, to warring parties is similar to Iron Contra. Um, that was interesting. That's some context that I think probably holds some water. Yeah. Um, oh, and then keeping on the uh, the theme park uh, theme, mm-hmm. Kevin McVicker uh, says, you went on a tangent in When the Bow Breaks. Um, back in the mid-2000s, Carowinds in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, had a licensing deal with Paramount and had a Wayne's World themed area of the park along with uh, Days of Thunder Ride. Oh, cool. Um, it was basically what is now called 4D. But the coolest ride of all was the Borg Assimilator. Mm-hmm. They have changed the name of it to Nighthawk. Uh, I guess they lost it in the licensing <laughs> deal. Uh, the oh, ride was originally CBS. something else before the Borg Assimilator, but that doesn't matter. But when it was the Borg Assimilator, the queue for the ride was set up to make you feel like you were walking through a Borg cube. It was definitely uh, based more off first contact. as There was a hard gray tech panels with uh, bright qu- uh, green lights behind. There were classic quotes going off on the line as well as the Borg welcoming you to the ride uh, while you melted into the stifling hot southern air. <laughs> the yard inside the coaster was set up to look like a Borg sphere that had crashed there with large pieces of debris beneath the tracks. Oh, that's cool. There wasn't much to it other than the theme around the coaster. I don't remember the cars being specifically Borg-themed, but it was a pretty cool ride for a Trekkie that was a TNG fan like me. Nice. Um, and then... Uh, uh, Jay Coburn writes, possible solution for when the bow breaks is there... Bow. Bow. Jesus, I said it twice. Is he spelling it B-O-W? No, it's me. Oh, okay. I have weird mispronunciations. I hate um, issues, everybody. Yeah. Is there no such thing as orphans in the 24th century? Surely they have orphanages... Orphanages? <laughs> with children that need good homes. I was thinking this, too. Uh, that's not a bad... Uh that's not a bad solution to that problem, everybody. I thought I said it, but I guess I didn't say it in the episode. But yeah, it's totally like... I just, mean, cure the race or just let them adopt people that will also get sick. Up yeah. to you. A hundred percent. All right, here's our Google voicemail, um, people. If you want to... Uh, if you want to talk to us if you want to, with uh, your voice. I don't, I don't have it in front of me. I'll find it later. <laughs> oh, well, that we should find. <laughs> Uh, but here is one of our voicemails. We got a couple today. Da, 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 da. Find it while you're playing that. Hey, this is Sean from Texas. Uh, thanks for the show. Love it. We appreciate it, guys. Well, I want to ask a, a question. Maybe Matt knows this. In Star Trek Encyclopedia, it shows the rebooted Enterprise, basically Chris Pine's Enterprise. They say that it's bigger in size than even... Captain Picard's Enterprise D. I saw that and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't understand why that would be. Does that make any sense to you? All right. That's it. Thanks, guys. I missed that question entirely. What? I'm sorry? He's saying that the Chris Pine Enterprise is bigger than the Yeah, it is. We talked about that. I think we but did. But that might have been off air. That might have been off air. Yeah, guys, that's right. We talk about this shit off air. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
the it's crazy. I, I hate that's my one of my least favorite things about the Star Trek reboot is the is the scale of the ship being so insane. It's just and it's because they had to fit so many shuttlecraft in that bay that then they were like, oh fuck, we got to scale this thing up. So it is longer than the Enterprise E, which is seven hundred meters long, uh, and it is taller than the Enterprise D, which is forty-two decks. It's um, and it's just because of a J.J. Abrams choice. Of yes. The, yeah. The shuttlecraft was that what happened? All the shuttles that needed to fit into the the shuttle bay. The scale then had to be scaled up for it to make sense there you go <sighs> here's another voicemail go uh hey gentlemen uh really enjoyed the podcast uh <clears throat> excuse me uh i don't know if you already talked about this but did you guys notice that there are dudes walking around the enterprise in mini skirts and i'm not talking about the ladies i mean guys <laughs> um i don't know were they like way way ahead of the trans curve or what anyway um. Yeah, I I am listening now. I'm loving it. I'm sure we will all love it even more when everyone is into good episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but until then, it's funny to hear, especially Mr. Myra, trying to defend something that we know deep down he loves, but these early years are a little bit rough. Anyway, thanks, guys. <laughs> bye bye. Uh, so that episode that that uniform he's talking about is called a scant. Oh, it has a name. Uh. And I will read from Emory Alpha. Introduced alongside the standard duty uniform jumpsuit, a skirt or scant style uniform is also available to Starfleet officers as early as 2364. Similar to the jumpsuit counterpart, the scant uniform was short-sleeved, uh, was a short-sleeved dress that could be worn without trousers and included knee-high or shorter black boots. It is worn by both genders, though men tended to wear the shorter boots until it was phased out of service in late 2365. Uh... According to the Art of Star Trek book, the skirt was designed for men uh, was a logical development given the total equality of the sexes in the 24th century. The uniform was used primarily by background actors, though Encounter at Farport featured both Diana Troy and Natasha Yar in scant-type uniforms, the latter only briefly. While Troy got a new look entirely for subsequent episodes, uh, Yar remained in her jumpsuit uniform for the rest of her stay aboard the Enterprise, never donning the scant after the pilot episode. Male crew members wearing the scant were only seen in a few episodes. Those included Encounter of Our Point, Haven, Conspiracy, Where No Man Has Gone Before, and 11001101. Though the footage seen in the last episode is reused from no, Where No Man Has Gone Before. The scant was primarily seen in the first season, appearing only four times, worn with black trousers in the second season. Uh, after its final appearance was uh, in flashbacks during All Good Things. There you go. That's your information on the scant. Thanks. You're welcome, your Andy. Information. Um, okay, let me go back now. Um, I'm excited to hear what Andy thinks of season two and the introduction of Dr. Pulaski. I have the sinking feeling Andy will enjoy her hashtag no filter approach to the rest of the crew, especially Data. And he may be tempted to name her MVC on more than one occasion, especially when he compares her to the learning impaired Dr. Crusher. <laughs> Best regards. Gerard Heffernan from Dublin, Ireland. Nice. He's a dub. International listening. He's not a Nordy, guys. He's a dub. Cool. Um, that means he's from Dublin, not from Northern Ireland. 
I know what I'm talking is about. Is he into dubstep? No. Well, I guess he might also. He might be. That might be a separate thing. Um, and now I have a. I have a, this a, this amazing thing. I just have to find it. Here it is. Classic Andy. Classic Andy. Um, okay. Uh, so, uh, hey Matt. Hey Andy. This will be the last one. Mm-hmm. I live in England. And I've been listening since the first episode. I write poems and perform them in pubs and bars and such. That's kind of cool. Mainly about my life and family, but occasionally about nerdy stuff I like. They tend to be just for me. So here is my STTNC offering. Hope you like uh, Robert Harding. Ladies and gentlemen, a poem from Robert Harding. Mankind once believed we were alone on our green and spinning world. And then came Zephyrin Cochrane. And the truth was thus unfurled. See, first there were the Vulcans, the Romulans, Klingon and the Borg. And we realized the non-uniqueness of the orb we so adored. But perhaps the greatest terror in our trek amongst the stars was encountering the old monsters that for eternity had been ours. You see, the devil rides the spaceways and the end times he soon will usher yes the devil rides the spaceways by the name of wesley crusher (laughs) born to a simple mother forced to manipulate those who know her so she'd be unfairly appointed doctor to a vessel serving supernova whereby he could study the universe and learn how to dominate it befriending warrior-like aliens and those with a positronic matrix yes he would build an army from the blind and the dim-witted, he would conquer all the galaxy to demolish and then refit it. For the Enterprise is a lady to be treated as a lover, but he just saw an insect and desired just to crush her. Yes, the devil rides the spaceways by the name of Wesley Crusher, and none sees through his machinations, not even the sexually naive captain. Well, the first mate who tries so hard to pretend he doesn't want to tap him, not the emotionally unbalanced security chief, nor the blind guy, whose eyes are apparently better than the super-advanced view screen is. You know, the blatant mechafile who'd like to introduce the flagship to his dreams. He's even outwitted the cunning android, who lies about his idiocy to the crew and doesn't suspect the young man despite his love of seeking clues. Only Officer Worf has an inkling of the danger they are facing, (laughs) but none will listen to him as I suspect they're all secretly alien racists. Given time, I reckon Argyle would have grown his mistrust. (laughs) I guess a taxi company needed him so he time travel back in a rush. Yeah, the devil rides the spaceways. And you should keep an eye on him, like Russia. The devil rides the spaceways by the name of Wesley Crusher. Yes, he's nefarious, and he's conniving, and he has them all dancing on his strings, got them to love and to promote him as he spread his evil wings. (laughs) And soon they will all fear him, for they will know it's true he hates each of them as much as Andy hates plots involving Q. The time (laughs) is nigh. His empire shall rise, and beneath it all shall suffer. The old child prodigy genius devil, by the name Wesley 
Crusher. Come on. That's the greatest thing ever. Amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much, Rob. I'm calling on any fan out there who likes to fuck around with editing programs to put video to that and get it up on YouTube. Oh, good, good request. That is just phenomenal. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. It was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much for sending that in. I also love that the uh, his accent like put me in the mind of kind of like a Yellow Submarine, <laughs> kind of the the images and the so and the, an LSD trip man? while watching animation. No, just just the 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 delightful accent uh, with uh, with sort of the lyrical kind of bent and the imagery and I don't know if it's Nowhere Man it we're listening me, to it or brought me, the, it brought me to a dark pub, which I a dark pub. Well, that also yeah. too. Maybe a dark ten forward. What was his uh, name? Robert Harding. Robert. What a great name for a poet. Oh, John Wesley Harding, from a long line of poets. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. That was great. I loved it so very much. That was amazing. <laughs> oh, what did happen there? Wait. Holy shit! Thirty-six minutes. I know it was a long one. It was fun. Uh, All right, everybody. The episode this week is Home Soil. If you're wondering if you should watch it, the answer is don't. Very good. Uh, bother. It's not horrible, but it's like, come on. You don't, <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to waste your time. You can just listen to us talk about it. Uh, Home Soil production number 117 aired the week of February 22nd, 1988. And Andy, I believe, the number one song. George Michael's father figure, Matt. Oh, interesting. Kylie Minogue still leading the charts in the UK with I Should Be So Lucky. Matt Harrison Ford and John Mahoney of Frasier fame. Oh, I know John Mahoney well. Starred in Frantic by Roman Polanski, number one at the box office. Televangelist Jimmy Swaggart proclaimed between sobs that he had sinned before God after being implicated in soliciting a prostitute. Bonnie Blair set the then world record for the women's 500-meter speed skate at the Calgary Olympics. Uh-huh. Um, 39.10 seconds. The current world record holder is Lee Sang-hwa of Korea. Um, and Soviet space station Mir marked its second year in stable orbit. And the last piece of information is that George Bush's cowboy side emerged during a campaign stop in Texas... With the vice president, who is seeking the Republican presidential nomination, Don Cowboy Boots drank beer from the bottle and proclaimed, This is my home state. <laughs> all right. Uh, I love in this, George Mike. Sure. Uh, I got a text from Scott Mosier while we're doing this podcast. Ooh, is it regarding the podcast? I can't imagine it's regarding Star Trek. No. Oh, it's a good song. Good song. It's a good one. I'm going to take it down. Lake Ray, George Michael, everybody. Godspeed, George Michael. <laughs> Enjoy the stars. You're <laughs> among them. He's in the stars now. <laughs> okay, so Home Soil, directed by Corey Allen, teleplay by Robert Saberoff, story by Carl Gewers, Ralph Sanchez, and Robert Saberoff. Here is the synopsis from the Star Trek The Next Generation Companion. 
The Enterprise is asked to check up on a remote terraforming station on Valara 3 that is working to transform a supposedly lifeless planet into a fertile, habitable Class M world. But during the visit, an engineer is mysteriously killed when the laser drill in the hydraulics room goes berserk. Minutes later, Data narrowly avoids the same fate. As he and LaForge check it out, they discover what comes to be called a microbrain. They could have done a lot better with that, I think. The unusual inorganic entity is a real-life form native to the planet. It's a real-life form, rather. As Dr. Crusher and Data investigate the aliens, the tiny being declares war on the humans by pumping and uh, desalinating the Valaran's narrow subsurface water ecosphere the terraformers were killing its race. The power it draws is strong enough to deflect the ship's transporter beam. Finally, it deduced that the microbrain is photoelectric and a shutdown of power weakens uh, it enough to so that it can be sent home. Uh, it wasn't a shutdown of power. It was really light. It was a shutdown of light. That's true. Why am I taking umbrage with the <laughs> with the Star Trek The Next Generation companion? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's the plot. And uh, we will kick it off, as we do every week, with Jean-Luc Picard's Captain's Log. Except for last week when it was Riker's Captain First Officer's Log. Was that last week or two weeks ago? It was last week. Okay, here we go. Captain's Log, Stardate 41463.9. While mapping the Pleiades cluster, we have been asked by the Federation to visit a group terraforming Valara 3. Communications have been erratic, and there is some concern about their welfare. Mmm. Fun teaser. Sure. <laughs> sure. Andy can't commit to that being a fun teaser. <laughs> I don't know. It's the... I don't know. This episode uh, wasn't like heavy, horrible. Heavy, just... uh, heavy craziness from Troy. Uh, just or rather, heavy involvement input. Yes. Let's it, uh, let's, let's 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 hear a little bit of that. Okay. Change of scene. Rest. We have some holodecks which you might enjoy. No disrespect, sir, but uh, we cannot afford the time. Channel closed. His fear is escalating. If you'll excuse me, sir, I I really must get back to work. I sense deliberate concealment, sir. Of what? I don't know, but it's intense. Director Mandel, we've heard of your remarkable achievements in terraforming. My crew would very much appreciate looking around. This is not really the best time. We're at a very critical phase just now. We would require no special attention. I'm trying not to be rude, sir, but this is really very inconvenient. He is concealing something. Uh It's more than just being too busy. Right. Your announcement about coming down has sent him almost to a point of panic. Uh Uh-huh. We can all see that. He wants us or not. Director Mandel, unless you're absolutely refusing his permission to land at your station, prepare to receive our away team. As you wish. Why not just refuse? <laughs> and as opposed to also, the long it's so conversation about what it, he's hiding a hundred percent. And at There's the end, nothing. when it's sort of it's sort of the take of the the episode, uh, to, or the writer, so to speak, is that he did not know 
that that the creature was alive. But if right. he did not know the creature was alive, why is he freaking out at the beginning? Is he freaking out because he's behind timetable and that's what he's hiding that he's behind? No, I think he's I think the the suggestion ding, the Sorry. suggestion is um that he knows something is wrong with the uh with with the something on the planet like there's some or there's some something whether it's an, a living organism or it's just some kind of anomaly and so he doesn't want them to come down because he is afraid they're gonna screw everything up after all the work they put in but how is that a moral quandary or a theme or anything to explore like basically there's a lot of these plots where it feels like they're the the people that they're interacting with on the planet are if not evil, then they have some kind of nefarious side to them. And I think this kind of happened. Uh, uh, so what was I saying? You were saying that this guy, this, oh, uh, so I guess my this point guy's is, motivation or lack thereof in, is In the so previous unclear. episode on Aldea, it's like, oh, this guy's stealing the children and he's he's nefarious. And, and then he's saying, screw you. And then at the end, he immediately goes to, you know what? We were really wrong about stealing the children and we were really wrong about our blindness and... And I have a feeling this is sort of my problem. Uh, by the way, I think this was the last episode that Gene Roddenberry was head writer on. I could be wrong about that. Is that true? I believe so. Wow, interesting. Um, but I, it kind of goes along with my initial feeling about this version of Star Trek at the beginning. Uh, also, which you'd said, which is there's less conflict between the crew because Roddenberry felt, oh. Right. And so I wonder if he felt that way even about the the other planets that they were interacting with, that it would be less black and white, good versus evil. Mm-hmm. But that leaves you much less room to build the theme because at the end it's like this guy is sort of like, I didn't know they were alive. And it's like, well, then who are – what's going on? Like what is the take of this episode on these organisms other than, hey, guys, don't try – don't kill organisms. Right. I, I, well, the take on the episode I think is all life is valuable. Right, which I think is a is a theme but, thematically. It's something we see. But over nobody and over is again. on the other side of that equation in the episode. Well, the microbrains. No, I'm saying nobody is on the side of kill the microbrains for the benefit of humanity. Uh, it's weird because like that microbrain is an insult that Q th- hurls it. I know, Worf. <laughs> and then they use it as a. It's so weird. It's like a weird. It's such a weird choice. It must be like a word that was like in their writers' room. Right, you know what I mean, it's like, like a room joke, a some room, joke room a insult joke that just happens in the writer's room and, and not usually does not air. get to the air. Yeah, we have many room jokes on the Goldbergs. We uh, sure do, which I would love to someday get on the air. <laughs> okay, so the motivation of 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 this guy being so unclear is because. I don't know if it's done to lure the audience into a story that isn't there or confuse the audience. That is, I think, what it is. And I think they do that a lot, that they hint at a large crisis or problem that isn't there in the end. And I'm not sure why they don't have it be there in the end or at least shift to a larger problem. Well, mm. I mean, I guess the larger problem they shift to is that the organism is alive and threatens them. I don't know. It just doesn't seem to tie in thematically. Nobody is saying let's kill these organisms to terraform the planet for humans. Nobody's saying that. Right. 
There's no one that wants to do that. Once they discover what's there... They're like, oh, we made a mistake. Oh, sorry. We better go. <laughs> and even the organisms are like, no, you're, you're assholes. I hate you. And then we threaten them. And they go, all right, never mind. You must die. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, 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 don't kill us. Don't, don't kill us. No, you must die. <laughs> Leave the planet. Okay. You still must die. You turn me up. Sorry. What? Today. You turn me up. Why? Just slightly. You're higher than me. I know, but I'm... There you go. That will encourage me to speak at the appropriate All right. Level. Whatever you need, buddy. Thanks, pal. All right. Let's hear this clip. This is him. This is the word of advice I'm Picard gives to the away team. Well. I sir. Someone that tense can be very unpredictable. Stay on your toes, number one. So I want to point out. First of all, I want to point out yeah. one thing about this shot, which is everybody's walking forward. I mean, I guess there are turbo lifts all around the bridge, but it's sort of a weird choice. I couldn't figure out why they were having people like walk at the camera at the end of the teaser. It is funny because when I paused it, you, this is the shot. Hundred percent. I paused it, and it's you're getting uh, three quarters of the screen taken up by uh, Riker's chest, <laughs> and I realize it's because. Really, the teaser open uh, should be when uh, Arthur dies at the end of Act One. This is a classic uh, problem that the show has, um, and uh, and they don't have anything. Really, really, all it is 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 just Picard saying, uh, "Stay on your toes, number one." That's the only, that's the the blow. This show could and so they have to pretend that there's a blow by having everyone purposefully walk at the camera. This episode could start with that happening. Yeah, and the Enterprise being called in to investigate. That would have been a much better way to start it. And then you don't have to deal with any of the hiding stuff. Although it does play. Also, you don't have to get into that but stupid conversation out... about like I don't want you to come down. Right, but it does play out like someone's hiding. So it, d- it plays out like a murder mystery. But this is the problem. There is no murder. I mystery. know it's a little. It's a little. I think it would have been a fascinating duping. thing to have. Director Mandel actually, you know, he knew that they were alive, but he'd invested so much time in yeah. his work and and or any prized human beings higher than these these organisms. I think that would have been a fascinating thing to address and appropriate for the genre. Yeah, I just don't understand. Anyway, the other side thing about this uh, this whole beginning beyond, beyond the Diana stuff is um, what are the rules for when? people you're communicating with on screen can hear you and can't hear you because at the beginning of this the beginning of the uh, scene Deanna just goes he's hiding something and there's and Picard doesn't turn off the thing and then later in the scene Picard, Picard manually standing. closes Keeps, the yeah, channel yeah what are the rules yeah and sometimes Jordy and Data are, the rules should be that Deanna can cut out the communication whenever she wants to she should have hit a button uh-huh. right just to cut the audio it should be Anyway, we'll get into Starfleet operations many times over on this program. Not this episode particularly, but throughout the series. A lot of stuff where you're like, what? Sure. So let's find out what this seemingly nefarious gentleman is hiding. Welcome to Valar 3. Please. I want you to remember it as it is now, because in a couple of decades, you won't recognize it. Every woman, every Louisa line. Kim, Gardner of Edens. 
Every line this woman says in the episode sounds ADR'd. It is strange, right? Yeah. Troy, Lieutenant Yar, Lieutenant LaForge, Lieutenant Commander Data. Arthur Mallinson, hydraulic specialist, and Bjorn Benson, chief engineer. When I first saw this and Arthur says nothing, Uh I was like, oh, poor guy, they aren't going to pay him? Oh, no. They aren't going to pay him for a speaking role? He's just there to be nothing? They really, this episode is about... Android? And third in command of the Enterprise. What? what? (laughs) Where were you manufactured? Are there others like you? Both matters are subjects of protracted discussion. Is Data hitting on him? I think so. Excuse me. Care to join me in 10 forward? (laughs) We don't get many visitors. It's exciting to have you here. We weren't sure how we would be received. Director Mandel was less than enthusiastic about our interest. I just got lost in Jonathan Frakes' eyes. Sure. I mean, those steel blue eyes. I just got lost in them. He's certainly turning them on. He's turning on those peepers at the the I mean, I I don't know if they've added a twinkling effect to his eyes, but I'm seeing a twinkle. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so off the bat, I'm like, oh, this is is the love interest for Riker this week. Sure. And uh, he never gets to close the deal. This woman who goes on this long, dry run in a robot voice. (laughs) It is amazing. Uh, So, oh. Here's what I found interesting. Let's go to when she's showing them how this works. Okay. We introduce microorganisms. And when the process is complete, we'll have a lush, arable biosphere. Make it sound poetic. I think it's the best job in the universe. <laughs> that's that's the biggest line Riker gives her because it's and then it will be a lush Workable biosphere. I've just paused You make it, it sound like poetry. If you if you pause it at uh, at uh, I don't know what the time code is exactly, but there's 37 minutes and 42 seconds left in the episode. You'll get uh, Frakes flaring the lens there. Oh wow! <laughs> just he being is, like he is full on mugging the camera. Hey, I'm nailing this right. Sub <laughs> sub <laughs> home audience. <laughs> you and me doing this for you. Um, <laughs> Um, okay, no, I so, had a clip. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I wanted to hear... So, the seemingly evil gentleman approaches. And let's just let's just hear what that interaction's like. Okay. About having been so abrupt during our initial contact, but being isolated, one tends to forget the social graces. Are you seeing everything that you want? What you're doing here is miraculous. What we are doing here is working a difficult and demanding timetable. And there will be no miracle... Unless Mullinson here gets the hydraulic probes back online. We are set to step up to full conversion immediately. Shouldn't you be in the hydraulic chamber, Arthur? Now? This is all leading up to us thinking that this gentleman... 100%. ...is killing Arthur. He's could not be acting more suspiciously. The casting choices to make us think that he's suspicious. All right, Kurt. Jordy, hmm. this appears to be the master subsurface pump. You're right. Eh. By the way, uh, just to just to shift into our deep dive on um, on uh, he's in a James Bond movie. He sure is. I am remembering my James Bond Russian uh, counterparts he, to to M correctly. He plays General Gogol, and uh, here's a little snippet of him from A View to a Kill. Advised, a calculated risk. But necessary since you refuse to answer your control. Come to the point, General. 
You disregard procedure. You did not request approval before eliminating 007. Reprisals might jeopardize ongoing operations. You jeopardize mine! <laughs> Letting the British penetrate the Siberian Research Center. That was regrettable. Your racing activities attract unnecessary attention, but more disturbing are your unauthorized commercial ventures, and we cannot tolerate that. The issue is irrelevant. I've made new associations. I no longer consider myself a KGB agent. We trained you, financed you. <laughs> what would you be without us? A biological experiment? <laughs> Physical. <laughs> I yeah, highly recommend if anyone hasn't heard it, go back uh, to the James Bonding episode where we talk about a view to a kill. It is also available on the How Did This Get Made feed. We did a live show at Largo covering a view to a kill extensively. <laughs> um, such a such a fun such a fun scene. <laughs> um, Christopher Walken so good so so good as a villain, just built to be a villain. It's, in, it's insanity <laughs> that uh, that movie is insanity. But here's the thing. So that's Walter uh, Gotel Gotel, yeah. um, and uh, and he is a classic. Uh, at least in American films, villain played a German officer in the World War II film The Guns of Navarone. Um, Ex Nazi scientist Victor Klemper in The X Files, season three, episode Paperclip. Um, the guy, the guy's always cast as a villain, so that's what they're doing here. For what? Then they're going to say he's not a villain at the end. He's just misunderstood. Yeah, he is in. Uh He's in a lot of James Bond movies. Spy Who Loved Me from Russia with Love for your eyes only. He is the, I mean, he essentially is the KGB's version of M. Yeah. So we see him a lot, uh, and uh, it's good to see him in Star Trek. But having him be the KGB version of M and casting him in this role, it seems like oh well, clearly if there's anyone's capable of murder on this station, hundred <laughs> percent. Let's hear it. He's in trouble. Can you open it? It's jammed. Maybe it's jammed because you just kept hitting L cars and communications. (laughs) (laughs) He's dead. No, he's not. Oh, right. He's not dead, right? So we see a shot of the nefarious-looking drill. <laughs> yeah. And we learn that he must be being deceived. Data? Go ahead, Jordy. All set. Data, we have your section completely powered down. Benson has just locked the master servo motor drive system, so it should be safe in there now. I'm going in. I will go with you. <laughs> Weird. But Android-like, so appropriate. Transporter room, this is Lieutenant Yar. Two to beam up to sickbay. I want to go. We should be with him. Kurt, please come too. This is this is the year he did the view to a kill. No, it was 85, sorry. Transporter room, this is Commander Riker. Beam up four at my coordinates. Uh, Commander, I, I know who it is. 
Don't you have to say? You know when you when you hit the button and you say transporter room, true. it comes up on my console. Don't they sometimes say? say no, they it always say. It, yeah. I just think it's a silly it's thing. A, it is they don't need to say. Thing, yeah. Um. So, oh, you're hearing the sounds from New York, guys. That's a siren, a real life New York siren. What did you think of the scene where Data locks himself in there? I thought. Did uh, did not this laser drill just go crazy when it was powered up two minutes ago? Why did they just turn the power back on? <laughs> I was like, oh, it, it seemed to go crazy again. Uh, yeah, let's hear that. I can't explain it. The laser blasts seemed to end when the yelling stopped. Well, maybe Arthur stopped it, only not in time. Not possible. Then what are you suggesting? Uncertain. Jordy, please return power to the control console in this room. I wish to reactivate the program. You got it. I like the little puffs of fog that are coming out of there. Yeah. It's just fun practical effects. The base drilling program. Off. They are off. Data, what's happening? Too much to explain. Can you open that? Do it. LaForge Enterprise, we have a problem. Be specific. Data's in the hydraulics room alone, and we're hearing laser blasts. Get him out of there. It's not working again. We gotta get this door open. You're Data, telling me you can't lock on? That was a question I had. When I was watching this, I was like, Andy's going to love that act break. Awake team, now, what is happening? <laughs> but they didn't do the act break no, there. <laughs> they like, didn't. Why, why not? No need to beat me up, sir. The situation is under control. <laughs> the, they end the, the crisis. They end the crisis? The crisis, the the crisis um, is then... Um, let me see if I see if I find it. The crisis. The crisis becomes talking. Yeah. Teen. I think it's here. Are you all right? Yes. Data's in the hydraulics room alone. Data. Good LeVar Burtoning right there. Yeah. Awake team, now! What is happening? I'm going to beam him out of there. So why didn't he think of that in the this first Lieutenant place? Lieutenant Commander Data. No need to beam me up, sir. The situation is under control. Are you all right? Oh, I was yes. in the right place. Sorry. Well, what happened? Did you do anything which might have set it off? No. But the firing program was dynamic. The firing program? In what way? It adjusted to my tactics. It tracked with me, anticipating. A fixed program could not have done that. Are you suggesting that someone was controlling the aiming and firing sequence? That is exactly how it appeared. But that is not what it was. Working against me. What did you do to this laser drill? A year's work destroyed. We could just replicate your new fucking laser drill, bro. That is what I don't understand. That is the crisis. That is that is where the big moment happens of like, you've destroyed our drill. They said it's a year's work 
for a laser drill? <laughs> and the other thing is... Can you go to like a Space Best Buy or, <laughs> or a Space Home Depot or a Space Lowe's? This, show, this, this episode, they consistently are worried about the terraforming in the planet when one of the people that has been with them for years, Arthur? Yeah. Who, by the way, has an accent very similar to Argyle. Um, he, uh, he dies. And... Barely anybody gives a shit. <laughs> well, I think it's important to move the story forward with whatever the fuck it is that the story is. Which is what? So Data's looking down a shaft. Jordy. Seeing a light. I need some visual assistance. I do like that they never, like, they don't really... They sort of abandon the fact that Jordy's eyes are the best eyes on the ship. Like they, I feel like they just like lose sight of that, no pun intended, uh, yeah. towards the end of the run of the show. Oh, like, really? I feel like they could use they could use that effect. They could use that device uh-huh. uh, more in the show. I agree. What is it? Well, because like right there, it's I like the basic oh, elements. his eyes are better than data. Inorganic, no carbon, sandy texture. Those flashes are almost... Electric. I I see color variations and rhythms and complex harmonies. The most musical, he said. Speculation. Could it be alive? Could it be alive? It's inorganic. Whatever it is. It could be what they are covering up. And the reason someone killed Mallinson. Uh-huh. No, Data. They're just covering up the fact that they're behind schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Something. It's crazy. Uh, Such weird misdirected tension. It's so weird. Uh, they beam it aboard this ship. They put it in a in a bell jar in sick pay. Mm-hmm. I have a thing with Beverly at 1623. I don't know if... Um, sure. If you want me to jump that far ahead anyway, this guy is... Arthur was beamed aboard the ship. He was still alive. In the old show, McCoy would have immediately pronounced him dead, said he's dead, Jim. He would have just gotten there. He would have had no chance to save him. Mm. In this show... Beverly has a lot of time in the sick bay with this live person. I couldn't save him. The injuries were too severe, the damage too extensive. The entire learning disability. <laughs> 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 um and uh and um the guy's the guy's PO'd. The the uh, director Mandel's PO'd. He also doesn't care that the guy just died. <laughs> Well, of course he doesn't care. He's a KGB agent. <laughs> that would have been amazing. I would have accepted that instantly. I was, he was a, actually generally I was Gogol. a sleeper cell, <laughs> frozen in 1992, reactivated in 2034. Why? Unknown. But it is definitely reacting to our presence. Perhaps it is picking up the electrical impulse of our systems. Flashes haven't changed. Could the hum be connected to the flashing? Computer, magnify. What is the magnification? 2,500 diameters. 
analyze the pattern of the flashes. Not repetitive or sequential. Pattern not recognized. What is the source of the flashes? Unable to specify. Theoretically not possible from this substance. Disregard incongruity and theorize as to source. Life. <gasps> Life, man. So, I will say... I mean, right now, I, they got to be, like, so excited. This is the fucking mission statement of this vessel. 100%. Seek out new life. I, I will say, I really like this scene, and I I think this is where the show kind of goes. Maybe I'm wrong, but the, uh, the, the, the dissection, the sort of just scientific dissection of what they're dealing with, mm-hmm. and the discussion, and almost having it be that that's the mystery of figuring it out um step by step i really like that um and i like how they handle it and uh it's just the episode isn't dramatically rigorous it's scientifically rigorous and i think that's a great standard thing for the show yeah i mean there's a lot of dramatic music that doesn't need to be in there yeah and although i mean maybe then you're making a boring program so after Mendelssohn dies the only person affected is uh is the uh gardener of eden which I think is a bold state, bold like job title to have. Yeah, Gardener of Eden. Is it true? Did you really find a life form? Well, the debate is still going on in some quarters, but I think so. Yes. What's it like? We have nothing we can compare it with. It's microscopic. It it seems colonial, simple. But it's inorganic, which is why the recon scouts missed it. It was not your mistake. Everything I've worked so hard for is falling apart. So, Lisa. here's a fun fact about Elizabeth Lindsay, who plays uh, Lisa Kim. Uh, she is a fellow of the National Geographic Society, mm-hmm. and her mission is to keep ancestral voices alive by recording indigenous wisdom and traditions. And she has done a TED Talk on the subject of keeping alive... Uh, tribal traditions and languages that would otherwise go extinct by recording them. Interesting. How cool is that? Yeah. Is it possible that's the way reason her voice sounds so so oddly re-recorded because it's so crisp and clear? That I mean, <laughs> it might be. It's amazing. I, I think that that's like the coolest thing I've seen someone who's guest star on this show do yeah she's almost, it's almost like she's in starfleet uh she's in fucking she's a national geographic explorer yeah you don't get much cooler than that anyway she's a doctor you could be an astronaut 
I think I think a National Geographic Explorer is kind of cooler. Wow. Than being an astronaut. Bold statement. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I hate to be there. Uh, anyway. Uh, so you can actually check her out. She has a website, elizabethlindsay.com. Uh, where you can find out all about her uh, goals and all about the things that she's doing. Uh, she's the first Polynesian explorer and f- and fellow in the history of the National Geographic De- Society. Dr. Elizabeth Lindsay is an internationally recognized expert in the emergent field of cultural intelligence, a dynamic, holistic system of knowledge and wisdom based on indigenous science. How cool is that? Good job. Uh, in 2010, Dr. Lindsay received the Visionary Award from the United Nations. I mean, come on. She's preserving the past. And acted in the future. Huh. It's very beautiful. I could arrange for you to see it if you like. Perhaps later. Because... Because I might also have murdered someone. <laughs> I thought some stuff was going to go down when she said perhaps later. I, I don't know. I do also, I like the, uh, in the next scene, Picard's just like bringing this thing up on the main viewer. Yeah. Because he's like, we're orbiting a planet. I got nothing to do right now. Bring that up. <laughs> I want to look at that new life form. Cool. Let me look at that new life form. Check it out. Hey, Worf, let me look at that new life form. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, in the previous uh, scene, when uh, when General Gogol says, I create life, and then he turns and he waits and he turns around and goes, I don't destroy it. And then he turns and walks out. Mm-hmm. Riker starts to talk. and um, I liked that. Picard gives him the hand. Picard's like, uh, and then he asks everybody else, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really interesting. Uh, let's let's see the so the life form starts to reproduce. Okay. Activate quarantine field. Quarantine field full. Full shield backup. Evacuating lab. Translation request being patched. Translation from whom? Yes. Evacuate. I disagree with her evacuation right there. Bridge, this is the captain. Request emergency power to initiate lab quarantine seal. Do it, Mr. Warp. Aye, sir. What's the nature of the problem? Uh, why is the captain requesting something? What do you mean? He should just order it. Oh. That's that's totally reasonable. <laughs> like, uh, hey guys, you mind if I could get a little more power down here for quarantine? <laughs> you should just be like more power to the more thing, more power to the yeah. to the medical bay for quarantine. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. By the way, the uh, the well, I guess we'll get to it later. But uh, that translator thing is going to tie into a theory later. Just keep an eye on Sunlight it. Sunlight bouncing off new fallen snow. What did you think it was? This is their description Honestly, of what these smells. did not give it any thought. Picard, I must point out again that we were assured, not once but many times, by the best scientific minds in the Federation, that this planet has no life. No life. Oh, that seems reasonable. And we were not looking. And therefore we did not see. 
And All therefore, right. we are not guilty and never have been. Well, I, again, this is just like totally untying the first three acts of this show. 100%. It's so weird. I think what they were thinking was that it's the the microbrains, they keep calling them. Such a um, stupid name. Are That is the mystery. They're untying it because the murders are the microbrains. But then in the end, even the microbrains are sort of justified because they're just defending themselves. So right. all the dramatic tension is released from both the side of, oh, are the humans ignoring these living organisms so that they can carry out their own their own ends, which is, uh, which is immoral? No. Are the microbrains killing people in, in a way that really would put us at war? No, they were just defending themselves. So the whole thing is just kind of like, oh, all right, I guess everybody understands each other. It's so weird. There's, it's, a, it's a weird plot device. Let's hear it. Let's hear At first it. you dismissed it. But then you began to understand that there was something that was different about them. You can't know that. Our apprehension suggested it when we first arrived. Sure did. Tell me about these patterns. At first we thought it was just natural phenomenon unique to Valara 3. The refraction in a thin atmosphere is interesting, but... Certainly not life. Why was I never told about this? Because it's not particularly important. As the building of the terraforming station went forward, the patterns in the sand ceased being random. They became very specific. Geometric shapes suddenly appearing, disappearing, uh, changing location, changing size. Did you ever feel that these patterns were attempting to communicate? I disagree. I don't know. At the time, I didn't think so. But now, after hearing what you just said, now, I don't know. Captain. What do you think of his acting? I think he's doing a good job. Interesting. He's Because the dialogue he's being given... Yeah, I accept that. ...is schlocky. Right. He's putting a lot And he's it. really, like, trying to yes. emote these feelings and it doesn't really add up he was flipping out about the laser drill before and now he's sort of like uh, processing stuff i guess yeah yeah he's, he's doing a good job he's going i did a deep dive on him there was nothing that big other than he was in a uh, bachelor party he was not awarded any uh, uh prestigious awards by the un uh in, he, he, didn't, <laughs> sorry, he, he didn't appear in james bond movies <laughs> no with uh four james bonds <laughs> Everybody doesn't get to be a hero. <laughs> That's too bad. <laughs> he only had about four credits. On my way. The one I was really interested in was Arthur. Data, you've got Arthur. the bridge. Inform the captain. Well, why? Why don't you inform the captain? Status answer. The quarantine seal is getting weaker, sir. He just came out of the rarely used hallway that existed in engineering uh, in the first season. There's a hallway that comes out behind, between the pool table, as they call it, uh, which is the this main control station, and the warp core. There's a hallway that comes this way that's connected to the corridor. You never see it again until Star Trek Generations, when they were able to remove that wall and bring that corridor in. Interesting. Weird fact of the set, and uh, probably interesting to literally no one. Um, I'm sure it's interesting to someone. Hey. 
Uh, by the way, that ensign in engineering uh, was also in... Uh, She's credited as lady engineer. Yeah, lady engineer. No, female engineer, right? Female engineer. All right. Was in Metro... Was uh, in... Um, uh, the uh, the original series episode uh, um, Arena as a Metron. I love a Metron. Uh, but more interestingly to me, uh, she uh, clearly is replacing Argyle. <laughs> they just threw somebody in there. Well, after that letter writing campaign. Every time I try to redirect backup, it goes somewhere else. I think I've... No, no, it's, it's locked three people on a turbo lift and, and two more in the programmer's restroom. That's the only mention ever of a Star Trek restroom. Oh, interesting. Right, there is no seal. Give me lab interior image. Yes, sir. Magnify. Enhance. Picard, this is Riker. We see it too, number one. Now it's like acting like a Tesla coil. Sir, no matter what I do, the energy goes somewhere else. What if it hits the sick bay or or nursery? Hold off. Impossible, Captain. We haven't got the power. Captain's log supplemental. The life form, which has significantly increased in size, is again attempting to communicate with us. The universal translator is coming online, sir. Ugly. Ugly. Giant. Bags of mostly water. Bags of mostly water. An accurate description of humans, sir. You are over 90% water surrounded by a flexible container. So, uh, <laughs> if I might, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is clearly, uh, as I've said in previous episodes, uh-huh. um, the Universal Translator is choosing <laughs> to say these things. And this, to translate it in this way, and this sort of led me, Matt, to a theory. Oh. Where are all the bathrooms at? Let an android have a cat. Is data just pretending to be so dim? No one knows the answers. Least of all him, it's Andy's So, um, in the episode where it translated uh, these these binary races, just I don't know, binars. <laughs> They're from binus. I figured. Well, it's it's minimally. It's just lazy and didn't doesn't give a fuck. Uh-huh. But I think the larger the larger theory I have is the universal translator is a total dick. <laughs> <laughs> it translates what this new race is saying as ugly giant bags of mostly water. That's what it's really saying. <laughs> My take is the Universal Translator completely resents the fact that it has to translate every fucking thing every creature says to these humans, sometimes even if it's operating from zero in terms of understanding their language. It must employ a tremendous amount of subjectivity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thus, you would say that it has artificial intelligence, and that artificial intelligence, in my opinion, is a giant dickbag. What if the this uh, artificial intelligence you speak of, the universal translator, what if it fucks with the humans more than they realize and it is responsible for the Cardassian War? Yeah. Because, like, I mean, the Cardassians theoretically are speaking Cardassian and are being heard through the universal translator. Sure. So, 
it could just be making the Cardassians seem like a dick when the Cardassians are constantly saying to the Federation, why can't we just be friends? <laughs> <laughs> and then the universe translator is like, I will wipe the f- face of the Federation. I will drag the hull of the Enterprise through here like a war trophy. I don't know what their problem is. <laughs> Makes sense to me. There you go. Great theory, Andy. Andy's theories are very interesting because he's really smart. There you go. Ugly bags of mostly water. So it's now communicating. Mm-hmm. And it should say... Hey, uh, we're intelligent, and then Picard should say, "Oh my God, so sorry. Let's put you back, and we'll leave your planet forever." Maybe that is what it's saying. <laughs> Universal translator is like, "No, now you have war." Because if it did try to communicate with us, we didn't understand that. It has declared a state of war, and we are on the defensive. We have no control over our medical lab, not our computer. At this moment, it has the power to destroy this ship and everybody on it. I need your help. Unbelievable. Why does he say that? trying to kill some of them. I need to know how. Why does he say what? Unbelievable? He says, now I need your help. Unbelievable. Why does he say unbelievable? I think he's saying unbelievable as to the situation that they're all in. I see. Okay. Right? I don't know. It felt like he's saying it to Picard. What was Mallinson doing when he was killed? There is a very thin layer of highly saline water under the sandy top soil. He was siphoning that off. Perhaps somehow that saline water sustained them. It connected them. I don't understand. The microbrains may be like our own brain cells. Ugh. Individually, a cell has life, but not intelligence. <laughs> Yet when interconnected, their combined intelligence is formidable. The saline fluid is their circuitry. And to prevent its loss, they killed Mallinson. If we had continued to remove that water, we would have destroyed them all reason enough for anyone to go to war don't worry by the uh, early 90s america will start destroying the malls <laughs> <laughs> there's no more malls andy captain it's happening again i think you'd better get in here <laughs> we comes in riker's dick is hard <laughs> god damn it will <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Captain, it's happening again. You better get in here. <laughs> Make use of it, Captain. <laughs> Whoa. It's just turned into a giant crystal. We'll tear up the Enterprise. What can you determine, Mr. LaForge? Captain, our sensors indicate that the microbrain expends a tremendous amount of energy during its reproductive cycle. Yet there is no discernible power drain on our own systems. Then what is feeding the damn thing? We found traces of cadmium salts. Now, cadmium is a conduit for converting infrared into electricity. Meaning? Meaning the microbrain might be photoelectric. Kill the lights in the medical lab, Mr. LaForge. If it's photoelectric, how does it exist under the soil? I think that she says at some point that it exists on a layer of the soil where they still can... Get like, light? Yeah. Let's see if darkness will neutralize it. Uh, Sorry, sir. It still has control of the computer. We can't do it by remote. Also, you're at the helm, uh, LaForge. You shouldn't be over there for this control input. (laughs) Why don't you slide over? The life form must have evolved at that narrow layer where the light got through the sand to the water. Drop the water a centimeter below the light penetration level. 
I gotta tell you, this she always is, sounds like she's is, talking from another room. This is about where I fell asleep, but I rewatched. So right. I like I feel like that was like the two seconds I missed of this episode. It's a very boring episode. Well, very... I had also just taken a red eye. Fair enough. <laughs> I was watching this in my hotel at. at but I mean, it's it's very interesting because it has all these sort of uh, signposts of stuff happening. But it, it's it's very interesting, sort of a suggestion of the power of the dramatic kind of substructure of an episode where it's like well what is what is the episode saying what are we supposed to be following because it has the music and it has stuff happening and but it's like the whole time i'm just like i don't know what i'm i don't know where we're going it is disjointed to say the least it's a very disjointed episode um Mm. storytelling wise i find that it is so it's not bad I mean, no. There's a lot of smart it's ideas. Not, yeah, it's not bad. And the it fact just, that they discover this this creature, and it just combines for something that's not that interesting. It's interesting how many of these episodes, the essential concept beneath it, or some of the ideas, like they had the Great Atlantis thing, yeah. in the previous one, or you could have done the children thing. Like the setups are sound. And then they don't carry it through and say, and that's where we're landing at the end. It's very odd, and I wonder if that's the lack of, uh, you know, the, sh- the sh- you know Gene Roddenberry being sure-handed, or, or it could have been the writer strike, or it could have been the writer strike, or it could have been Gene Roddenberry's lawyer, Gene Roddenberry's Dang. lawyer. I don't him. care. I don't care if it ends in any kind of sensible place. We should. I think people maybe, just want to watch effects. Maybe at the end of this, after we do the Andy's Awards, yeah, we'll do the Chaos and Creation on the Bridge Awards. Not awards, but we'll we'll watch that documentary. Oh, sure. And talk about it. That's a good idea. Ha- having now experienced the first season together, and I'm getting like, is it, we're seven? We're ep- episode seventeen, so we're like. Eight away from being done with this season, yeah, which is very exciting to me. I think if you have any, it's getting to be that time. If you have any categories, we're two months away from it. If you have any categories or suggestions for what we should do for the Andes, please send those in to us. And if possible, uh, send clips of the shows or give us time codes of what episodes. Yeah, and we can pull if we need. If you need clips for that, right. um, yeah, but. I mean, we're we're looking for category ideas. Uh, anything you think we should do for the Andes? Um, which, again, if you're unfamiliar with it, the Andes are the theoretical award show we'll have at the end of each season, where we award trophies called Andes. <laughs> it's called the Andes. So this one will be the first annual Andes. Uh, after every season, we're going to do the second, third, fourth, fifth annual, so on and so forth. Uh, we're going to try to get some awards music. What should the award look like? We're going to really produce it should nicely. It, should it be you and I like that uh, fan sent in just sort of uh, just in on the, on the bridge kind of trying to podcast? I think the, <laughs> it would be funny if we, if we had the awards made and then sent them to whoever won them. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this? If you'd like to help fund the Andes, you can donate to uh, <laughs> What's our email address? Uh, it is uh, sttncpod at gmail.com. So email us your suggestions there. Put in the subject line, the Andes. A-N-D-Y-S. The Andes. Yes. Um, 
Andy's Mints, uh, official provider of Andy's gift <laughs> Not true. <laughs> Don't really have a do you have any? Still. Do you have any? Uh, no one's been writing have, in. Well, that's okay. Do you have any clips? You any other clips you'd like to play? Because yeah. I feel like we're just about wrapping up on this. Uh, I'm. I think I'm. I think I'm done. Okay. Well, let's just hear the end here. Okay. Apologies. And respects. Lieutenant Yaw. Coordinate set, sir. Energize. Captain's log, stardate 41464.8. I have declared an indefinite quarantine for Valara 3, and we are now returning to Starbase with the three surviving terraformers. Perhaps the lesson we have learned from this near tragedy will prevent it from happening elsewhere. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm so confused by that. What do you mean? You're saying that there's other fucking planets with this life form on it you never know also how do they like what is a 300 you know they say 300 years like maybe in 300 years i will trust you uh how long is a year to these creatures yeah that's true what if they get back to us next week what yeah what if a year is uh four days (laughs) Uh, what's happening there i'm sorry i'm sitting up it was so weird Um, again you're hearing the sounds of new york you're hearing an ambulance drive by. It's a lot of happening. Dr. Crusher is uh, on her way to some away team mission. <sighs> what was that exhale? Andy, that was so sad. Uh, I'll read now the uh, other part of the Star Trek companion, the little dips and doodads, the trivia, if you will. Okay. The story's theme of unintended destruction echoes that of original Star Trek's Devil in the Dark, in which a silicon-based mother creature attacks the miners who are unknowingly taking her eggs. A hundred percent. Yeah. The Horda. This uh, TNG, however, was a lackluster show, which Hurley recalls as the one where just about everything that could have gone wrong did, including pages having to be rewritten the day before shooting. And the best thing this episode has going for it is an explanation of terraforming and the Valaran's name for humans, ugly bags of mostly water. Uh, Walter Gotel, who plays Mandel, will be remembered as General Gogol in the James Bond films. An unused matte painting of Valara 3 station, complete with part shuttlecraft, was prepared by Andrew Probert. You know what I'm also realizing? The... Um the the plot of we're using these creatures for our own ends mm-hmm. or we've is is played out in Farpoint too. The creatures they're trapping to make them serve the the planet. But um but that was even that was a clearer um storyline. That yeah, uh, I agree. Totally agree. Uh, so that does it for this episode. It is now time for us to get to some business we like to get to after every episode. Uh, first of which is the MVC. So um, this is what I was just trying to queue up. Uh, we got uh, an email uh, that said I recorded a jingle for the M- the MVC segment. Mm-hmm. No ill will towards the existing ones. Feel free to use it however you want and or also don't. Uh, also, uh, I did both record guitar and vocals. Um, even though I did, I don't probably res- deserve much credit for it. 
Matt will know why. I, I, I was not familiar with the clip, so you'll have to say. But that is from uh, Dr. Boner Wizard, MD. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Boner Wizard. Thank you, Dr. Boner Wizard. And here is his theme. That is the guitar part for Say Goodbye by the Dave Matthews Band, track number six off of <laughs> Crash. <laughs> well done, Matt. You're very welcome. That and, was uh, that was lovely. And well done, Dr. Boner Wizard. <laughs> uh, if anyone cares to know what I'm talking about, I could play actually uh, the an acoustic version of that, which will... You'll hear uh, very. <laughs> See? So here we are tonight, you and me together. This is the only podcast I've ever gotten to play Dave Matthews on. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you want to play Name That Tune with Dave Matthews' guitar parts, uh, bring it. <laughs> you know, I feel like Dr. Boner Wizard's version is just different enough that we might maintain the rights to that uh, to that theme. <laughs> <laughs> it also falls under parody. Uh, so, Andy, uh, very difficult MVC this week. Definitely, definitely very difficult. I mean, There's so many players in this. Uh, you have your, your, your Datas, your, your Crushers, your Picards, your Troys. All uh-huh. playing a part in saving the ship this week. I think Troy was was much more useful than usual in terms of dissecting mm-hmm. what was going on with Director Mandel, uh, even though <laughs> nothing was going on with Director Mandel. So yeah. I guess you got to throw her. So out. we're eliminating her. Okay. okay. We're whittling it down. Then Data. Uh, go ahead. Data. Yeah. No, I was going to ask the, you. Fighting the yeah. laser data, drill. Data fights a laser drill. Data... It makes the scan to realize that 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 thing might be living. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Gets it beamed up to the ship. Presupposes that it might be photoelectric with along with Jordy. That's true. Yeah, the photoelectric thing is kind of the that's part of it. Kind of the solve. Wait, doesn't. Hmm, that's interesting because I was going to give the photoelectric call, which is really the 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 single call that saves the ship in that moment. Yeah to Picard but you're you're saying it was data because he makes the call but it's data that basically analyzes that they're light based so he doesn't it's data and Jordy with the mm. discussion they both they he's saying that oh it is uh, photo we think it's we think it could be photoelectric and if you're going to play that scene, I think you should, because that's the one moment where I'm not sure. I so in my head it was sort of Picard. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's hear again what happens when when LaForge uses the wrong control panel to try to cut the lights. Uh, let's see, let's see. I'm sorry, I've, I have to find it because I wasn't prepared to play this clip. Sure. Um. It does seem dormant, Captain. Asha. Set coordinates to beam it back where it came from. This is after they turn it down. No, this is before. Oh, if they tried to. Up, it will tear up the Enterprise. This is it. What can you determine, Mr. LaForge? Captain, 
Our sensors indicate that the microbrain expends a tremendous amount of energy during its reproductive cycle. Yet there is no discernible power drain on our own systems. Then what is feeding the damn thing? We found traces of cadmium salts. Now cadmium is a conduit for converting infrared into electricity. Meaning? Meaning the microbrain might be photoelectric. Kill the lights in the medical lab, Mr. LaForge. Let's see if Doc... That's, that's where they figure it out. It's a three-teamer. It's a three-hander. Hmm. I mean, you could say basically when Data and Jordy are telling him that stuff, I that think, they basically already know that I think that's, that's the, the answer. answer. And I think that that is why for MVC, I'm going to have to say it's LaForge and Data. Oh, going to our going to our emailers input of us getting 0.5 right so we can give it to two people we can spread out one across two people so but even that even though i wasn't preparing to do that after having thought about it i think it's going to go to jordy and data i think i got to agree with that by the way other people have disputed it and said it should be two i i don't think matt and i have a strong opinion about how the the rating system works out so i would just say any any of the people who are who are working on spreadsheets and stuff uh, which seem to be a couple uh, so we're really appreciative um uh you just decide for yourself i have a feeling all the math will come out the same <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I know nothing about statistics. Yes. Uh, nor rating systems. There's a lot Andy doesn't know. There's also full. a lot he does know. I, you know, I have my own little areas of expertise, which are, you know, where to get good pizza, which Matt and I are going to do later. I'm taking him to Jafar's. I'll let you know. And uh, he almost uh, didn't want to do it. And I said... Uh, Not almost. I still don't want to do it. It's very far. It's very far. It's out deepest in, Brooklyn. I'm looking out into Brooklyn now. And, and you got to wait a long time once you get there. And he's, he's less interested all the time. And I, I stand by my opinion. I've been to Italy. I've been to Naples. Every, every aspect of this This is the like best no pizza in the win. world. There is no contest. Okay. Well, Andy, uh, am I forgetting anything else? What else do we have to do before we wrap it up? Well, we haven't uh, we haven't done this. Oh my God! The Andy or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. That's right. It's time for the individual Andys, which we award every episode by saying how many Andys we give this episode. I usually go first because Andy likes to see where he's at before I. I don't mind going first this week. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to give it a two. Okay. Uh, it's Explain not yourself. horrible. Yep. It's, uh, you know, well done enough. But in the end, it's kind of pointless, mm-hmm. this episode. Like, it's, you know, it's got a couple of things. A little laser drill running around and uh, calling them ugly bags, mostly water. Giant, ugly giant bags. Everyone forgets that. Ugly giant bags. They say giant, and every time I see it quoted, be it at Star Trek conventions, on bumper stickers, There's no or giant. whatever, no one says giant. Yeah. So it's ugly giant bags of mostly water. Fair enough. Um, Andy, you're giving it two. Yeah. Uh, I am going to go ahead and give it a 2.5. Uh-huh. Uh, giving it the extra half point because uh, of the lineage of acting that is on this, up to and including... Uh, uh, General Gogol. General Gogol. I mean, come on. Walter Cattell? Gottel? Gottel? Gottel. Anyway, that's why I, I give it a little bump because I think that all of the guest acting, the three core guest actors, uh-huh. up to and including the the dead gentleman, I think he did a fine job also. Yes, Arthur. I think all I'm giving the guest cast that extra bump, that 0.5 bump. Uh, I think that's fair. 2.5 for me. So there you go, folks. And uh, the only thing left is to take a look at uh, what we'll be watching 
next week. week coming of age and I have it next time on Star Trek the next generation bring that ship back at once I've lost power the captain struggles to save a runaway shuttlecraft may you all do your best and Wesley meets the ultimate Starfleet test. Look at us, Come on! Now, both face the toughest challenge of their lives. Pull up hard! Six seconds to impact. I'm gonna crash. On Star Trek, the next generation. An action-packed episode. Wow. I have, again, no recollection of this episode. Really? So my... Uh, answer to those of you out there who are asking, should I watch this next episode? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <sighs> Boy, we really did it, Andy. We did a whole episode in New York. We sure did. Only had to pause once so I could pee. Yep. Um, and uh, generally, I think, had a great time. Is this our first... Um, it's our first road show. First road show. Yep. Done in a very, very small hotel room. Uh, if you're if you're staying in the Ludlow, be aware that uh, the basic room, real tiny. Yeah. We tried to get a different room when my wife checked in, but uh, unavailable. No other rooms available. However, uh, right across the street from Katz's Delicatessen, get yourself some some of the best pastrami in the world. Uh, also, go to Yona Schimmel Kanish and get yourself a fucking cheese Kanish. Which that, actually, that was your I'm gonna, first Kanish. I'm going to actually make Andy do that before we go get pizza. No, we're not going to do that. It's right there. You want to save your appetite, I'm telling you. How much pizza could we order? How good was that Kanish? Was it that good? Oh, it was such a... It was like... I would describe it as I ate it I bit into the cheese one uh-huh. it was a cherry cheese one okay I bit into it and I was like holy fuck what is going on in here and I'm like looking at the composition of it I'm like am I eating like a cheesecake wrapped in pastry like that I did and I was nice. biting into it again I was like no I'm eating a block of cream cheese with cherry in it this is delicious no I'm glad anyway that was my description of Yona Kanish uh, Yona Schimmel's Kanish place. Been there for 75 years. Yona, if you want to sponsor our show, just uh, contact us. At uh, ST- having been in there, I feel like <laughs> Yona doesn't know what a podcast is, nor care what a podcast is. <laughs> well, whatever the case, if one of his uh, one of his daughters, I guess he doesn't have daughters, it's just Russ that has daughters. If anyone wants to send us a line, you can at sttncpod at gmail.com. I actually gave the wrong email a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so oh a my prime God. corrective for myself. Um, or you can tweet us at Star Trek, the next at Star Trek, the next conversation. Did you find the phone number? Uh, I did, and uh, and you can also if you want uh, to leave us a voicemail. You can also look at our Instagram at at uh, Star Trek. Then oh, sorry, I've just done this wrong twice. It's at Star Trek TNC for both Instagram. And for uh, Twitter. At Star Trek TNC. At Star Trek TNC. Uh, our Google voicemail is 323-834-8754. And uh, that is Aft Fit Ski, I think. He's taking a picture, so I'm pausing. We're going to have it on the... Uh, we'll put it on the, on, the, on the Instagram. We'll put it on the Instagram. Um... And that's all I got, guys. Cool. Andy, I'm out of here. I really hope he didn't be over to Jonas because he's going to ruin his appetite. Maybe he's going to say, if I disengage. Disengage.